You are listening to the Career Lounge podcast with Ada Ofonri, where we discuss how to define success on your own terms in order to create your dream career and business. All of the information from this podcast episode will be in the show notes, which can be found at thecareerlounge.com. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me again on today's podcast. My name is Ada Othonri and you are listening to The Career Lounge. Today's episode is on 10 interview tips to help you excel in an interview. And it is the third part of a four-part series. Part one was about five interview questions and how to answer them. So if you haven't listened to that already, do check it out after you listen to today's podcast episode. The second in the four-part series was about 10 questions that you need to be asking in every interview that you go to. It's really important that you take the time to find out information about the job and the position and the company that you're going to be joining so that you don't go in there and then find that you suddenly hate the position or you hate the company when there are questions you could have asked during the interview process that would have allowed you to make a more informed decision. So today we're going to talk about 10 interview tips, some of which you might have heard before, but a lot of them I'm guessing that you haven't heard before. And so let's dive in. Question number one, it's important to really learn not just what a company does and how they're performing, but to take the time to research and understand what their values are as a company and what their philosophies are as well. And this is really, really important for two key reasons. The first is that it helps you frame your answers. So if, for example, one of the company's main values is around innovation, fantastic. When you're framing your answers, you can talk about how innovative you've been in the teams that you've been part of. If one of the company's values is, you know, around social justice, and that's something that you're interested in, then you can definitely pull out examples of any kind of activism work that you've done that aligns with that aspect of their values. So it's really important to not just understand what a company does and how a company is performing, but also to understand what their values and philosophies are. The second reason why this is important is because For your own sake, really, you get to think about whether this is a company you really want to be part of. And if those values align with yours, there's nothing worse than going into a company. I've certainly been there and realizing that their values don't really align with who I am as a person. And so you want to ensure that you take the time to do your research, to understand what their values are and to be sure that it aligns with you as well. Number two is to work on your career story. So I talked about this in the first part, right? And your career story is a combination of the things that you've done, your motivations for doing those things and the underlying values that guide your actions and your sort of flagship projects and the thing you're known for. And then a little bit of, you know, extra information about you, things that make you interesting. So all of those things are components of your career story in a nutshell. 
So you want to take the time to really practice this. You want to take the time to go through each of the jobs that you've had and to really explore what your motivations have been and explore what the themes are and to pull all of those together into creating a story that you can tell in two, three minutes maximum four minutes. That's enough to pique someone's interest in an interview and invite them to ask further questions of you. So number one is to learn about the values of a company and what their philosophies are. Number two is to create your career story and to practice telling that career story so that when you go into an interview and they ask you to tell them about yourself, you have a story to share with them. The third tip I have is to start with who you are rather than who you feel the company want you to be. And that's very difficult to follow, right? Because a lot of the interview advice out there is you need to do X, you need to do Y, you need to do Z in order to secure the job. And of course, you want to put your best foot forward when you go into an interview and you have one objective and that is to try to secure the job. No problems with that whatsoever. But in doing so, don't misrepresent who you are. Don't go so far in describing who you feel they want to be and not recognize who that person is when it comes to starting the job. Because ultimately, it's either you will grow weary very quickly in the job because you presented a different front in the interview to who you really are, or the company will see very quickly that you're not who you said you were once you start the position. And either way, one or both parties are going to be unhappy. So absolutely put your best foot forward, but start with who you are rather than who you feel that they want you to be in the interview. And it's fine. If that means that you don't get certain positions, no problem. There's plenty more out there. And I'm not by any chance minimizing the effort that it takes to interview for positions. I'm speaking more from a perspective of the abundance mindset, right? Believing that the right thing is out there for you rather than approaching a job search process with a scarcity mindset, which is you must get this one position. Otherwise, you know, you'll never be able to get anything else. And so if you're approaching your job search from an abundance perspective, yes, you can afford to be yourself and trust that, you know, you'll get the right position and you get the opportunity to work for the company that is the right one for you and you for them as well. Number four is to leverage your connections to gain as much insight as you can into the company that you're interviewing for and also the role as well. I had uh, someone ask me recently whether it was a good idea to ask people in a company they were interested in um, what it was like to work in the company as part of their preparation. And my answer was absolutely yes, right? I think you need as much insight as you can get. And sometimes the context that those people provide could make all the difference to you during your interview process. So yeah, definitely, if you have connections already, people that you are part of your network, you definitely want to leverage that information so that, again, you know, you have greater context when you go into the interview and hopefully that optimizes your chances of performing better. Tip number five, and this is particularly for senior people going into interviews. So the mindset is often people trying to impress, right? People trying to show that they are suitable for the job. And people, you know, doing everything they can to present the best version of themselves. 
Absolutely, that's important. But I want to offer you a slightly different perspective, which is your role as a problem solver. And to think that the people you're going to interview have a problem that they need solving. And so your job is to go in there to understand what the problem is and to begin the process of diagnosis, right? So that's essentially what an interview is. So if you're going to interview for a company, for example, that is looking to build a brand new system because it's going to save them a lot of money, then you know, you can go in there and talk about, you know, your strategy and your approach and how you'll solve that problem in helping them save more money, right? So that they can increase their profits. I think that that mindset shift puts you in a really good position because rather than going in there and just simply answering the questions that you've been asked, you could actually give additional context where you're providing potential solutions to issues that they might have within the organization and talking about how you would go about solving it. Tip number six is everybody has things that they are not particularly proud of in their career history, or at least most people do, right? Not everybody. Everyone's had setbacks. Most people have had curveballs. Some people have red flags on their profiles. And this is often the bit that people will fixate on when it comes to changing jobs or changing careers, right? They'll spend a lot of time really anxious about how to explain away this aspect of their background that they're not particularly proud of, and they'll be fixated on that. And my advice to my one-to-one coaching clients, as well as people in my membership is, is this, Embrace it, right? It is all part of your story and nobody, nobody has, you know, nobody has a history that is a hundred percent sanitized, right? Each person has a little thing that they're not exactly thrilled about and they often have to kind of talk about in an interview situation. So don't let that bog you down. Instead, you want to focus on what you do have that is positive and relevant to the position that you're interested in on one hand. The second thing is you want to focus on what lessons you've learned, what you're now doing differently as a result of whatever it might've been, the curveballs or the change of direction, or if you've jumped around a little bit, have a clear story that you can tell an interviewer about the lessons that you've learned and how you apply those lessons to how you operate in today's world. And I think that that's infinitely more important than kind of going into the interview anxious and hoping that it doesn't come up. Let me tell you something, when you're anxious about answering any of those questions, the interviewer can see it. And sometimes they may not even be asking for a negative reason. They might just be curious, but because of your body language, you signal that there's an issue. And so they begin to think, oh, you know, there's something here that I need to pay attention to. So embrace it. Everybody has curveballs. Some people have red flags. It's not a problem. What lessons have you learned? What are your areas of strength? And ensure that you practice your answers to all of those so that you go in there equipped and you can handle it when those tough questions come up that are in an area that you're not necessarily feeling that you're strongest in. Tip number seven is to always have questions. Now, the previous podcast, I spoke about 10 questions that you want to be asking when you go into an interview to ensure that you can make an informed decision at the end of the process. When I worked as a headhunter, 
one of the things a lot of clients would often say to me is that as part of their explanation for why they would reject someone, in some cases, they would say, can you believe they had no questions? Because to them, asking questions signaled your interest and enthusiasm in the position. And that might not be true for everybody and every interviewer, but for a lot of them, it is a good way to test your interest in the position and to basically understand how you're processing all the information that you've received so far as part of the process. So whenever I'm coaching people on interviews, a good chunk of our time is spent on really their question and the structure of the questions that they have to ask as well, because I think that that's as important as the questions themselves. And so you want to ensure that you always have questions for the company, about the job, about the company, even about the interviewer when you go into interview as well, because that's a really important indicator of your interest in a position. Tip number eight is to record yourself practicing your answers to standard interview questions. And I say record yourself just so that you can be aware of your body language. And especially in this day and age where a lot of the interviews are being conducted over video conference, you want to ensure that, you know, you can see exactly what your background looks like. You can see exactly what your framing looks like. And also you can, you know, you can kind of catch yourself when it comes to your body language as well. It's important that you see what a potential interviewer is seeing as well when they speak to you, right? So definitely take the time to record yourself and you don't have to, you know, record yourself 50 times and, and watch yourself for 10 hours, right? But do record yourself from time to time answering questions just so that you can practice. Tip number nine is to prepare examples of where you've demonstrated the competencies for a particular position. A lot of companies now interview using competency-based questions. And competency-based questions, if you're not familiar with them, are basically questions that check if you've demonstrated the specific competencies required for certain jobs in the past. And this could be stuff that you did as part of your job or as part of your extracurricular activities. And the kind of idea behind them is that past behavior predicts future behavior. And so they're looking for evidence that you've demonstrated certain qualities or characteristics or skills, and therefore you're more likely to be able to do that in this new position as well. And so with that in mind, it's important that you've taken the time to come up with examples of where you've demonstrated as many of the competencies for the position you're interviewing for as possible. Now, there are different sort of interviewing techniques out there. If you Google it, a common one is the STAR interviewing technique, which is situation, task, action, and result. It gives you a framework for providing answers to questions that quickly help the interviewers understand what the context that you worked within, the level of complexity involved, and the specific role that you had and specific actions you took, and the ultimate results as well. And the results are also a good way of demonstrating that you understand how the role that you have impacts the overall business that you're part of. Now, there's some debates in some quarters about the need to use the STAR technique. You know, some people feel a bit constrained having to answer questions in such a structured manner. 
And what I'd say is that the STAR technique is more of a guide. It's not a rule. And if you find that you waffle a lot in interviews, then I recommend that you take advantage of the STAR technique to structure your answers. Because the key to interviewing properly is that you always want to invite the interviewers to dig deeper into the areas that are of most interest to them, rather than speaking on areas that might not be of interest to them right? So the STAR techniques are a really good way of ensuring that you can be a bit more concise with your answers. You can quickly give context and you invite the interviewers to ask more questions should they want to about the work that you've done. If you're someone who doesn't waffle and you feel that there's an alternative way of giving the context and speaking of the actions you've taken and the ultimate results, There's also a car technique. So context action result that works really well as well, if that's your preferred method. And the difference between, and I think that they're pretty much the same thing, right? There's no kind of real difference between the, the two, but it really depends on you as an individual. Whenever I'm coaching people, I, I don't necessarily feel that they have to take what I say as gospel, but I'll often sort of give you the reasons for why I'm asking you to take certain actions. But everybody's always at will. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Final tip is to remember to relax and just be yourself because you can practice as much as possible. You can do as much research as possible, but ultimately the company is hiring you. The hiring manager is hiring you. They want what is unique to you. And so that's why I always say to people, start with yourself, start with who you are. I've seen situations where a hiring manager will say to me, this person didn't even have all the skills we're looking for. We saw other people that were more qualified, but this person had the most enthusiasm. They seemed like they'd be ready to roll up their sleeves and they'd be ready to learn. And that's part of our culture. That's one of the values of who we are as a company. And that person was a better fit than other people. So I say, ultimately, the key thing is to be yourself, right? By all means, do your research, do your preparation, right? Do anything you can to put your best foot forward. But once you go in there, relax and just be yourself. There'll be questions that you knock out the park. Sometimes there might be one or two questions that you don't quite tackle in the way that you'd prefer. That is okay. As a bonus tip, don't let that throw you off. I've sat in interviews with people where they're doing really well and you can tell that they didn't like how they answered a specific question and that throws them off and they just go off the rails for the rest of the interview. So definitely don't let that put you off. Gather yourself together and continue to give the amazing performance that you're given in the interview. So if this has helped you, I would really love to hear from you. But as always, the conversation continues in my Facebook group, which is called The Career Lounge. If you go now to Facebook and type in The Career Lounge, you will find the group and you can just request to be added to the group. For more information about this podcast episode, please go to my website, which is adaofunry.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's A-D-A-O-F-F-O-N-R-Y.com forward slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm so excited to see you next time. Bye-bye. Don't forget to subscribe, download and leave a review. 
To continue the conversation, please join us at the Career Lounge Facebook group. Thank you.